You ignorant fool. Welcome to the Significant Strike Podcast. I am your host, Soft Weekly, and with me, as always, is our expert handicapper, Val Dwyer. We're not coming off our best week, Val. It was kind of disappointing after joining the Spofi HQ Network. We did not have a good night. How's it going, man? It's it's going, uh, yeah. So I'm just kicking. I I I liked my reads, except the only m- mistake I made was betting Leon Edwards the way I did. Originally, I was gonna bet him point spread, even though it was minus 300 odds. I thought it was as close to a lock as you can get, and it was. It hit, but it uh, I I changed it to inside the distance, foolishly trying to get better odds, which odds are important, but the value was still better even at the minus 300 and then um not betting moreno i wanted to live bet moreno but he just came out looking amazing didn't get a chance to live bet him because he he dominated figure yeah he get, so, he kept going up end, every round there was no chance to get in there in the end we uh we lost only the moreno over for half for 0.7 units Leon Edwards inside the distance for 1.5 and Hakeem that would do money line for 0.75 if we won on Adesanya minus 5.5 for 1.5 units oh and we lost the Moreno Figgy draw but that was 120th of a unit wrist um we won on Eric Anders and if you followed Twitter I added Twitter or Discord I added um uh Felipe uh money line for 0.75 units so we came out what was it minus Point six minus point six uh, isn't minus terrible. Point, minus point six four six, yeah. And I, I just want to tell you, brother, um, you and I have been watching fights a long time, and I, I'm just being real about what our performance has been lately. But I trust in the way we do it; the numbers speak for themselves. And MMA is a weird sport. You, you know, I don't think you can handicap it the same way that you can baseball or soccer or other stuff mma is very weird because one one split second instance can change a fight so it's the way it goes yeah and so the the low the low data to go off of because there's so few fights compared to you know 80 basketball games 16 football games etc it it makes it tough you're you're going off of things you see the stats aren't the same as other sports i had this conversation with t philly though of spofi our new podcast network um that it's more of an art than a science whereas other sports are more other sports handicapping i feel is more of a science um but yeah i i I, i'm liking the reads i'm making but sometimes i overthink it and you just go with my first well, that that's read. That's kind of why I'm excited about this week because there's not a ton of betting value on this card. So I think we'll, 
it will be fun just for us to be able to put out liens and uh, smell test, sight test kind of stuff, you know, and talk about what we see. Because, like I said, you and I have watched probably 200 fights together. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. generally speaking, we do fairly well. We've had a rough couple weeks. It's no big deal. I, I believe in how we do it. And uh, this will be a fun card where we can talk about a lot of stuff and there there's not a lot of value here. I don't see um recommending spending a bunch of money on this card to anyone. Yeah. We I do have uh two plays for this card, so well, let's let's dive right in with Let's go. Where do you want to start? Fights. We'll just talk about briefly, starting at the very top, we'll just discuss it briefly. Lara Procopio <laughs> versus Casey O'Neill. This one it's not a great fight. I mean, it's a very low level. With Both of these chicks have a combined three UFC fights, a low-level WMMA fight. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because Casey O'Neill, I believe, is being overhyped. And I really would like to fade her. Just the tape isn't there to know enough. I mean, this, this she only has the one UFC fight against Shauna Dobson, who frankly sucks. She has a losing record. Um, this and is then before that, she had four fights in her father's promotion. So she was kind of boosted by, I feel like, being in her f a promotion run by her yeah, father yeah. and hand-picked opponents. It, it's like when uh, Rousey came to the UFC. Dana did everything for her. But it's funny that this is the first fight you brought up because this is one of the fights I also starred on my list that I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah? What you got? Um. Well... I, I feel the same way you do, that she's kind of overrated. She's got the one fight over Shanna Dobson, and I think uh, Procapio has a... She, she's only got two fights. She's got a win and a loss, but she beat Molly McCain, which is decent, but she's a, de a mm -hmm. decision fighter. But um, she fought in Shuto, which I think is... Um, she's probably faced higher-level competition. That's what I. Yeah, that's what I, I believe probably. to be true. And yeah, and she has a uh, a bunch of BJJ experience, right. from what I know as well. I mean, O'Neill's a decent wrestler, but I definitely take Shudo over Eternal MMA again, her father's organization. And that split decision with Carol Rosa was it, it could be argued either way. Right. I think. Right. So she could be you. She, she could be like uh, Sean O'Malley, mentally undefeated. But just again, there's not enough tape on either of these ladies for me to bet him. But lean Lara Procopio, because I would like if she was facing someone more experienced or that I could watch more of, I would love to be fading Casey O'Neill here. All right, so let's skip ahead a little to real quick. Not much to say, but Josh Parisian versus Roque Martinez. This is uh, another. <laughs> there's a lot of fights like this. It's funny, dude, because this are, is one I have starred as well. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of guys like this making debuts or no, not much experience, so it's hard to get a read on them. Uh, Roque, so okay, Josh Parisian. He has one UFC fight, a loss, and a DWCS win, and then really low level organizations before that. Although he did have another DWCS win that got him onto the Ultimate Fighter, where he lost in his opening exhibition match before. But there's just, again, not much out there on him. But he's a legitimate heavyweight, 6'4, 79 inch reach, comes in right under the limit. Meanwhile, this guy, Roque Martinez, he's lost both of his UFC fights, and he's like Jake Collier from last week, except for maybe even worse. 
He's 5'10", just a chubbed up middleweight. It was Jake Collier. Literally, he used to fight at middleweight. Roque Martinez is 5'10", 72 inch reach. And, uh, it's yeah, the one thing I'll say about Martinez, well, I, I might say more, but he is um, at like 245 and 5'10". He's a fatty, dude. You know what I mean? That's not yeah. muscle. He's... He's got like he's got man boobs and shit, you know. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like Chris Barnett, who we saw a few weeks ago. Fun guy, though. He, he's a fun guy. Roque Martinez, he has his wrestling is awful. Primarily, he's been wrestled to an arm triangle and a decision in two fights. I again, I'd love to fade him, and hell, maybe I might even throw like. A half a unit on it myself, but I can't make in good conscience make it an official play against a guy who has hardly any tape. Yeah, it, uh, Mar- and has his one UFC loss to a below average guy in Parker. Porter. And Martinez is fifteen seven and two, and he's coming in at like a plus one fifteen right now. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what much you do with that. Um, what I thought was funny is we were talking about how. Uh, let, you and I were talking not on the show, but about heavyweights uh not necessarily always coming in at two sixty five, but we have like three of them on this card that are all coming in right at the max, right? <laughs> Parisian is big. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's big, dude. That's that's a giant dude. Yeah, it is for sure. Um all right, so now let's get ahead to the one fight I do really like. When I saw this line, my eyes popped, and I did the tape, and then I was I was sold. Um, Virna Jandaroba versus Kanako Murata. So, I'll start with Jandaroba. She's a high level uh, BJJ black belt, and while a lot of BJJ specialists don't have good wrestling, that's not the case with her. She also has judo experience. Um, she was the undefeated Invicta champion. Her only losses in the UFC were to are to Carla Esparza and Mackenzie Dern, who are both top five. I mean, on the verge of a title shot, maybe both of them. Esparza wrestled her, but Esparza is the best wrestler in women's MMA, probably uh, definitely at strawweight. In the Dern fight, it wasn't. They're both high, super high level BJJ, but their BJJ kind of canceled out and they just struck. And Dern was just a little bit better because she had more intensity than Jandaroba. So that fight doesn't really help us cap anything because that that's not going to be the case with most Jandaroba fights. She she's going to take anyone down or try to anyway, other than Mackenzie Dern. Um. So yes, uh, grappling. Her her she does have strong takedowns, but she can telegraph it. But when she gets the bo- uh, a clinch, she's good at getting body locks and trips, and she is good with the single and the double leg if she gets in on it. Her best way to take people down is probably with reactive takedowns, which which really appeals to me. When her opponents, you know, overextend themselves in striking, she's quick to level change and take them down to the ground. She's just classic BJJ, excellent at passing guards, heavy smothering, top control. She flows with her opponents when they try to escape. She prioritizes position over submission, but she'll take any submission you give her. She has arm bars, rear naked chokes, triangles, and arm triangles on her record mainly, um, and her submission holds are incredibly tight. 
as you'd expect. She has a 73% takedown defense, but when she is taken down, she's really good at elevating her hips and not accepting the position, either sweeping or getting back up. Um, yeah, she's able to, but if she is taken down, she's able to get feet on the hips and push off or set up a variety of sweeps and submission attempts. She keeps a, like a very, very active guard when on the bottom, and only Carla Esparza has been able to thwart that. And But Carla Esparza is someone who's wrestling can be accurately described as smothering. I mean, she was the first strawweight champion, even though she wasn't able to stand up to strikers like uh, Joanna. She was able to defeat almost every grappler she's faced. Um, still... Even then, Jandaroba, in only her fourth UFC fight, was able to work and get out of bottom position at times, but never were able to submit Esparza, even though there were instances where she was setting up armbars, and one armbar was almost in, but Esparza's experience and pressure and explosiveness was able to get out of it. Um, but she did sweep her, take her down three times, pass her guard when she got on top position, um, and she lost, but it was a closer fight than you could expect for... That, that was her UFC debut, actually, right after um, winning the Invicta FC championship. Um, and it was short notice. I think she had two weeks notice, or one week notice, against the former champion and All-American wrestler, Carla Esparza. Striking, it doesn't matter that much in this fight, because we have a wrestler against the jiu-jitsu practitioner here. But she, she does have poor striking defense, though the same is true for Murata. She's very simple striking, but she does her favorite thing is just pumping her jab out to keep distance. She's developed some more quote-unquote power strikes, but they're not like she throws an overhand now, windmill overhand, but it's slow and not powerful, really. That's why I said quote-unquote. Um, she lost a striking battle to Mackenzie Dern, I mean. So that, that's enough said, really, about her striking. In the clinch, she is strong. She has a very high-level understanding of underhooks, overhooks, and arm entanglements, of course. But also her best strikes are probably her clinch knees when she's able to get there. Um... But on to Murata, who this is Murata's second UFC fight as a, compared to Jandaroba's fifth, which I forgot to say, Jandaroba is 2-2 two and two in the UFC, two submissions, uh, two decision losses. The submissions were against Felice Herrig, who was 15th in the world at the time, and Mallory Barton, who wasn't ranked but is of a decent level. You know, I, not a top 15 level but a level where she belongs you can say she belongs in the ufc she's not below yeah, that she, threshold she's one of that we we talk about it sometimes that how um uh, um there's not a lot of depth to any women's division but she deserves to be in that depth chart she's she's yeah. legit well yeah i mean there's more at straw weight for sure but so Murata, she she's uh what two inches shorter and two inches Less reach than Jandaroba. She's 12 and 1 in her career. Um, and she's less experienced than Jandaroba. Uh, she lost in the Ryzen Flyweight Grand Prix second round for her only loss of her career. That was a rear naked choke. That was at Flyweight, though. She eventually switched to Strawweight permanently when she came to Invicta. And in her second or third fight she in Invicta, she won the Invicta Strawweight Championship. But it was by split decision against an 8 and 5 woman, Emily Ducote. And then left for the UFC right away. Honestly, I scored that fight three to two for Dakota, but I can see why it was scored for three to two for Murata. This issue was Murata struck way too much. If she had kept taking Dakota down, she could have gotten the win much easier. One judge had it four one for Murata, which that was insane. She was losing every striking exchange, and there were two rounds that were mostly striking. 
Um, but she's she's been doing judo since she was three years old, I think it was. She has strong judo and wrestling, a BJJ purple belt, but I haven't seen her on bottom position enough or at all in recent fights to know her level there. She's almost always on top as a strong wrestler. She loves her head and arm throw, the the meme takedown slash throw of women's MMA. You'll see it in almost every fight, at least against lower level fighters, not up top with Valentina, but yeah, at the mid-range, lower level, every fight, there's going to be a head and arm throw. And oftentimes, they'll fail and the woman will take their the other woman will take their back. But anyway, she's very good with her inside trip. It's harder for her to get outside trips because she's short. She can't, like, step around the opponent successfully and wrap her their legs up. Um, she's, her best uh, leg takedown is a snatch single. When she, gets de- when she sets it up well and gets in deep, she's good at changing angle and putting the opponent down. If she can't change angle, though, she won't put them down, um, which is just like when she shoots double legs. Her double legs are not good. She doesn't set them up well at all, She and she just keeps driving and driving until they hit the cage, which credit to her for having that, you know, that wrestling yeah, I, explosiveness he, to keep driving, right. but she doesn't. She often can't put them down. They just bounce into the cage, and then it becomes a normal clinch situation. Um, but... Yeah, her best thing is is judo throws. She, judo is definitely her main way of getting the fight to the ground, which is where she should want it if she's fighting with you know any sort of fight IQ. Um, when she gets them to the cage the, with those double legs, it can still benefit her because she can uh, use throws and trips to employ get them to the ground. Um, she also shoots reactively, not as successful as Jandarova, but she's decent there. Her top control is maybe her weakest aspect. She focuses too much on the either the submission or the grounded pound, doesn't focus on smothering her opponent, um, and doesn't focus on avoiding submissions, but I'll get to that in a second. But she's susceptible to people, you know, hip heisting, getting out, or even sweeping her to uh, end up on top or take her back. Um, she's still a capable top player, for sure, and can pass guards decently, but she's more than content to stay in a full guard and posture up and she's definitely not to the level of Jandaroba in terms of guard passing and being on top um she'll even stay in full guard like even when she's locked down with you know where she can't get her hands up to get elbows or short punches to get ground and pound she'll she'll still not try to get out of full guard oftentimes it's odd um yeah so she she has a varied submission game but not an expert one, but she has an anaconda, two von flues, which is interesting for sure, and a rear naked choke on her record. Um, but I don't think it's one that'll work at a higher level. Even, I mean, her last three fights, when she got to Invicta and then the UFC, or no, sorry, her last two fights, um, three fights ago, she got a rear naked choke. Before that, she was on Ryzen, but her last two fights against, uh, I wouldn't say a high level of competition, as her opponents were Emily Ducote, who's not UFC level, and Randa Marcos, who I believe has a losing record now, um, and is you know only in the UFC because of her tenure, pretty much. If she was a new fighter of the UFC, she'd be cut, but she's been around for ages since the division was made, basically. Um, yeah, but she, she couldn't submit those girls, although she did dominate Marcos on the ground thoroughly. Yeah, but, uh, um, but, but you need stock in those divisions. Like, um, if you're talking 145 uh, for men, you have 100 guys that, you know what I mean, you can stock in for fights. In the women's divisions, you kind of need, you can you can survive yeah. with a worse record there. 
Um, <clears throat> she against Marcos. She she really uh, just sat on top and ground and pounded her well. But like on her on the subject of her submissions, there's a time where she got what it seemed like a tight anaconda choke, but she wasn't able to make the just micro adjustments that you need because Marcos was just able to lay there without seeming you know for her breathing to get harder for her to be in any danger of tapping it was about 40 seconds um so i think her submissions only work against a much lower level of fighter like bottom level of invicta and regional and ryzen which doesn't have a good women's mma um and she so the main thing this is the main matchup issue for her uh which i saw frequently in her emily ducote fight she's super susceptible to an active guard woman who try to you know get their legs up get triangles and arm bars she was caught in that ducote fight no less than five times. I didn't count, but at least five times in armbar positions. By and this is by an eight and five woman who is not a BJJ black belt, just much worse than Jandaroba. Um, I mean, she escaped because the woman wasn't. Even though the arm got in deep a few of those times, she was not able to finish it, not able to crank it and extend that thumb and all the little things you need. But just the fact that she was caught in it and. She was, is caught in that so much because she loves to posture up, loves to stack the guard just to ground and pound. She's only focused on the ground and pound, not focused on what her opponent's doing back to her. And that's that's the big issue for her in this fight with Jandaroba, who is elite off of her back. I mean, she's Mackenzie Dern's the best grappler among women, and I think Jandaroba's just one tier below her. Um, And yeah, Esparza gave Jandaroba trouble, but... Uh, Ducote, or, sorry, Marata is no Carla Esparza. Like, Jandaroba will finish those arm bars if she gets them. Probably the first time she gets them. Um, and Ducote, another problem is even when she wasn't getting the arm bar, like, wasn't finishing the arm bars, she never tried to sweep with them. Uh, or one time, there was only one time in that fight, actually. She tried to, sw she realized, huh, maybe since I've gotten this armbar like six times, I should, and I can't finish it, I should just sweep and end up on top. Um, but Jandaroba, if, if she wants to, she, and she has that arm, she will be able to sweep easily, I believe, and end up on top. Just so, yeah, her ground and pound is her best trait, but it's also what leaves her the most open to submissions. Um, yeah, she, she, I mean, she has good things like wrist control. She was able to really break down Marcos, Ronda Marcos's base to get her flat on her back and really brutally ground and pound her at points in that fight. Um, her ground and pound is strong. I mean, she has power in doing it. She's onto striking. I mean, that ties in with the striking. She's an intense fighter, which that's one of the better compliments I can give for a woman because a lot of women in mixed martial arts don't have that same intensity. They just throw half-hearted jabs at seen, and straight punches, it seems like. When Murata goes out there, she is throwing with intensity, you know, with intent to kill, I, I sh I'll say. Um, but yeah, she has poor striking defense, wrestler power. She has more weapons than Verna, but that's not saying much. She's a southpaw and likes high kicks from an open stance, so that can get her taken down. And she tries to be too fancy, is probably my biggest criticism of her striking. She, she Even though she hasn't mastered the fundamentals, she throws Superman punches and those high kicks. Instead of just throwing simple straight punches, you know, the power punches, right. that she would probably be effective with if she landed. I mean, she has more physical traits than Emily Ducote, but she lost most of the stand-up exchanges with Emily Ducote in that five-round fight. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, so, I don't like when um, there's fighters that uh, abandon their fundamentals and they 
they're looking for highlight footage, and that's what she kind of does, you know, with some of the the crazy things she does, or just you yeah. know, outlandish techniques. You know, not everyone is going to be Anthony Pettis and run off the cage and kick somebody in the face. Just get over <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So, for this fight, my bet is uh, Virna Jandaroba money line at one point two units. Well, let's let's check the odds. Actually, last I saw was minus one thirty five. Um, um, I got it. That was right before the show. Uh, one thirty five on a couple places right now. One thirty nine on. Uh, Bet 360's got it 139. Bovida's got it at so 140, sports and Sports bet. International's got it 160. Wow. But the other way, uh, minus 127 on Sport Bet. Um, so, yeah, I'll be, I'll be riding with that um, at, for 1.2 units at minus 127. Yeah, let me see some of those apps because they're crazy. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they were all over the place earlier. Um, Sports International. It opened up. Sports International what? opened at minus one sixty, and they're still there, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, they're one of the uh, books with the le- them and Betway usually have the uh, worst odds for MMA. DraftKings DraftKings has it at um one fifty five. One thirty minus one thirty four. One thirty four. Yeah, it opened at one fifty five. Yep. Down to one thirty four. All right, so yeah, that's my bet. Jandaroba money line. Um, uh, wait, what did you say? On the submission line. One point two. What? One, one, one point one point two units. Right. Yes. Um, you may want to sprinkle on the submission line. It's about plus two fifty. Uh, but nothing official there. Uh, I'll take. I'll just roll with the money line. All right. On to the start of the main card, just briefly. I want to talk about Diego Lima, the brother of um, Douglas Lima, who just lost his welterweight title by doing the thing that the Lima brothers are known to do, which is nothing. They they do nothing way too often. Um, versus Matt Brown, who is one of the biggest knockout artists in UFC history, despite yeah. only being a welterweight. I like this and a fight. Legend, I, a true legend. Yeah, I love the immortal, dude. I really do. Yeah, he's great. Um. So he comes in here as the underdog, about plus 145, I believe. You can get plus 148 as your best at Sports Pet. Sports Pet often has the best. Um, yeah, so like I said, D- Diego Lima is the brother of former Bellator welterweight champion Douglas Lima. He only has a 4-6 and six record in the UFC. His best win was a split decision over a very old Court McGee. He has losses that aren't shameful, totally, like Li Jing Liang. Bilal Muhammad and Tim Means, but has been finished by Jesse Taylor and Eddie Gordon, who are nobody. Um, he has a good lead hook, good jab, but uh, it, it's very stiff, and he makes himself long when he does it. They're at the same reach here, though. Um, but he needs to build off it more. He's mostly one and done with it, doesn't string together combos enough. He only has a 59% striking defense and uh, 38% offense. He absorbs 3.93 strikes per minute. Um his output is just so low it doesn't even make up for that accuracy, this tarbled striking accuracy at 38%. Um, and he's outlanded in the UFC by 0.79 strikes per minute. The main issue, like I said, you shared with his brother, he will just stay on the cage and circle and not do anything for vast periods of the fight. Um, 
even when not actually being pressured, like not against pressure fighters, he'll still just back up to the cage, let them pressure him, ask them to pressure him. He can be dangerous on the counter when he explodes. Um, his knockout of Chad LaPrice, which is a decent win, showed that. Uh, but those that's those type of things are few and far between for him. I mean, he mostly wins by decision, at least in the last yeah, he, four or five yeah, years. Yeah, he's a decision fighter, and that, that will be in yeah. uh, my comments after you give your breakdown. Yeah, so... But that's... Uh, being back on the cage, not doing anything, is what Matt Brown wants. He wants you right there where he can... Uh, cut cage and do the most damage to you hit you hard because he is powerful i mean he's getting old at this point which is the only reason i don't have this as an official or not the only reason but the main reason i don't have him as an official bet he's 40 now but i think he has a much better chance than the odds would suggest against an average fighter um with not a great style matchup uh, just a little background on Matt Brown. He's tied for the second most knockouts in UFC history, behind on, only Vitor and the Black Beast, tied with Anthony Rumble Johnson and Thiago Santos. So that's huge. I mean, all those guys are light heavyweights or heavyweights, and Matt's a welterweight. But at this age, he's now on a two-fight losing streak, though those did come at the hands of good fighters and Carlos Condit, who's having a little bit of a resurgence. Yeah, um, I thought... I thought beating guys his age. I thought Condit was dead, and, you know, he's one of my favorite fighters. But uh, he's, yeah. he's kind of come back. I think it took him a while to come a back from bit, that yeah. injury after uh, the Woodley kick to the knee. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. it took him a while to come back. But yeah, for sure that, did. That was a good fight, uh, Condit and Brown. And I love both those guys. I really do. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, got knocked out by Baeza in the fight before that. And you guys know I'm high on Baeza. But impressively in that fight, Matt Brown was able to knock down Baeza, who's really has, has really good defense. Um, but he we saw in his last fight, he does have trouble when it gets chaotic. And Matt Brown was able to knock him down by making it chaotic. But he was taken out of the fight by Baeza, keeping it the way he wanted it to be, which is simple and ordered. Um but yeah, Matt doesn't, he's, you know, reckless power guy. He doesn't have better, he has worse, in fact, striking defense than Lima percentage-wise. Um, I think 55%, 56%. But his offense is much better at 54%, and he lands 5, 0.55 more strikes per minute than Diego, and absorbs a whopping 1.4 less strikes per minute. Because he's able to instead of just constantly waiting and getting hit he's able to explode and control encounters more but the thing with those stats you have to take them with a grain of salt because a lot of those go back to his heyday when he was a top 10 welterweight and they can't be counted on to be the same in his fights today i mean his volume is definitely much less in in fights today he counts on those explosions to win in fights and sometimes takedowns as well so the style matchup i don't love but i don't want to put my money on this card, especially because I'd, I'd almost feel like I'd be forcing it because of the uh, lack of action on this card. I, I, I definitely lean Matt Brown money line or the knockout line, which is like plus 300, but uh, I, 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 I don't see enough value to justify it. Maybe if the odds move in a way that, that benefits us, I will consider it. All right, well, I'll give it away right now like I did last week, too. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to tell you Matt Brown is my walking the dog guy of the week here. Um, I think, like you said, Lima is going to try and press towards the cage, and Matt Brown has some of the best elbows I've ever seen in MMA. He throws them like crazy. They're very sharp. He cuts people with them. I feel like anything, you're right, anything can happen, especially since he's 40. But uh, when he lost to... uh, when he lost to Bieza, that was his second fight back after a two-year layoff from an injury. And the loss to Condit isn't nothing to be ashamed about because Condit is the legend, natural-born killer, another one of my favorite fighters of all time. But I think I think Matt Brown is going to pull this out, dude. I really do. I think uh, he's going to drag him into deep waters. Lima is a decision fighter in... Matt Brown's the finisher. Well, that's how I see it. Right. This this was close to being my walking the dog pick, but you'll see that later on. All right, where are we going next? All right, so real quick, let's just talk about the co-main event because it has a legend in it, Alexi Olenek versus Sergei Spivak, who or Spivac, who is a young up. Uh, I think what, what is this he, is one I had flagged too. I like this fight. <laughs> Yeah, he's Sergey is twenty six. Uh, Alexei Olenek, he turns forty four in six days, so that's clearly a big, big discrepancy there. But even so, last year, um, in before the pandemic, he subbed a guy, Maurice Green, with an armbar on the <coughs> Connor card. Um, he, he won a split decision over Verdum on the Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje card before getting knocked out by huge punchers in Derek Lewis and Chris Dacus, which the Dacus one especially was brutal because that should have been stopped way earlier. I mean, at this point in Alexi's career, it's he either... So he has his chin is mostly gone. Uh, his explosiveness, that which he was never a huge striker, but he had, you know, he had his moments in striking. That is pretty much gone. He has to get you to the ground or be taken to the ground and then submit you. That is his path to victory yeah. now. Um, so if it goes past the first round, he's probably going to lose. If he doesn't take, get it to the ground early on, he's probably going to lose. The thing, though, about Spivak is he's not a huge puncher. He's a wrestler more than anything. Um, like his last win against Jared Vandera, Vandera had no wrestling, defensive wrestling to fall back on. So even though we saw him be really impressive striking in his recent fight, Spivak was able to take him down and ground and pound him for nine minutes before the fight was stopped. Um, the last time we saw him against a good wrestler, he lost. Marcin Tabura uh, beat him relatively easily in, in their fight uh, about a year and a half ago. But Marcin Tabura is not 40, almost 44 years old and, and only fighting. Be- and, and he doesn't have 75 pro fights on his right. record like Alexi does. <laughs> yeah, Alexi's so, Alexi got 59 legend. wins, dude. That's incredible. Yeah, 59-15-1. Exactly 75 pro fights. I mean, sheesh. That's incredible. Um, That's up with uh, Ebersol and... Uh, Arlovsky. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, what uh, Marvin Gillard, he's got a... He's mm. got a shit ton of fights too, dude. Yeah, but I I I do feel bad for Alexi. Honestly, like he shouldn't be f- having to fight at this age. But 
He went came only came into the UFC in 2014. He was never a champion um, in the UFC, so he has yeah he, he was in smaller organizations before the UFC. Like M1 was the biggest organization he was in, I believe. Before, or come, yeah, he was in M1 back and forth and KSW uh, a few different times. Bellator for uh, two fights in 2010, but he bounced around a lot. Being a legend, picking up. You know, Bravo chokes, Ezekiel chokes, stuff you do not see ever. Um, he was picking it up, doing it all the time. He and he has two Ezekiel chokes in the UFC. I believe the only two in UFC history. One, it's it, it's really incredible. But it, he only really has one path to victory here, and Spivak does have wrestling credentials. But it helps Alexi. Like I said, Sergey doesn't have knockout power he's not like a great striker but because alexi is so old he could knock him out or having another standing tko like last time where he's just getting beat up i think so but he still is my walking the dog play more specifically his um submission line um i which i'll say it's not an official bet because he's so old but that's uh where i see a walking the dog type play um Olenek is what he's he's plus one eighty or so, yep. um, plus two hundred on bet online. That's pretty good. And his submission line is uh, plus three hundred, I believe. Olenek by submission plus three twenty five you can get. So so that's my walk in the dog play, but it's just lean. Here here's how I feel about it because he he was my consideration as well. Um, Spivak has got to he's got to try and tire him out for two rounds and then try and wrestle him in the third. You know, I think if Olenek gets a hold of him early, it's all over for him. You know, even though Spivak's got the wrestling background as well, I've always been impressed with Olenek's skill. Once once he gets a hold of a guy, he's, he knows what the fuck he's doing. You know what I mean? He's, he's dangerous, very dangerous. So we'll see this really depends on Spivak. If if he does something stupid and thinks he can wrestle Olenek early in the fight, then uh, that walk in the dog, in my mind, is a lock. Because if Olenek gets a hold of you early in round one, he's probably going to do what he wants to do. Yeah, there's the reason his nickname is the Boa Constrictor. Right. Um. But it's just he's so old, and I I, I know he, like he might not even have to tire him out for two rounds. It might only take one round at this at this point in his career. <laughs> I it's 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 not good. Like if if fighters got paid what they should, he would not be fighting today. I agree with you because we're talking about professional sports. But when he, he's forty four and you go, he's so old, and I'm I'll be fifty I'll be <laughs> fifty one this year. I'm like ow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I actually wanted to not even really talk about it. I just wanted to say Marlon Chido Vera versus um, Davy Grant is a great fight, a rematch of a fight from 2016 that Davy Grant won. The odds are flipped this time around because Chido, I mean, he was pretty young then. He's only 28 now, um, and he's picked up confidence in some great, some good, solid wins along the way. Andre Ewell, Frankie Sands, Sean O'Malley, he even fought. Jose Aldo arguably beat Song Yudong, even though the judges gave it a unanimous decision against him. Um, he's a fun fighter. He gets a lot of finishes. One thing I have to note, his, our buddy Mike from Strong and Jacket UFC Picks posted a stat. 
Marlon Vera is two seven and one in fights that go the distance. He is a finisher. I mean, he's often a finisher, a finish or get finished type of guy. Yeah. Um, but his his last four losses in the UFC, or actually, shoot, all of his losses, all six of his losses in the UFC are by decision. Um, including that last Jose Aldo loss, which it's Jose Aldo. No shame in that. Um, but David Grant's a fun guy too. He. It's just a fun striking battle all around. Marlon Vera should have the advantage on the ground. He has good submissions. Um, David Grant surprised me by knocking out Jonathan Martinez, who was a big hype prospect uh, uh, three months ago, and that took a lot of Jonathan Martinez's hype. But David Grant hasn't fought that much, really. He's only fought one, two, four times since 2016. Uh, He had injuries there. In that 2017, 2016, 2017, 2018 period that kept him from fighting. And has only fought once a year since then. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to this one. That's all I yeah, have to say. Yeah, I had that one flag too. I don't really have a, a pick or a lean on that. But uh, I like Vera a whole bunch. And uh, Davey Grant is exciting. Dude, he yeah he can throw some power. You know, I think, th- I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a good fight. And this is one of those fights that... Uh, We'll learn about the guys more, I think. Yeah. Um, also, I, I, have to, I do have to note the odds. Because Davy Grant opened as a plus 275 dog originally, I mean, went on bet online, but when books you know come, came to their consensus, he was about plus 230, plus 220. Um, and a lot, I was thinking, that's value. Yeah. That's, I, that's value. But a lot of money came in on him. Now, um, the best you're getting is is what is like plus 175 plus 180 on him whereas cheeto is now around minus 200 so if if you bet david grant at plus 230 now you can bet cheeto at minus 200 and make a profit no matter what happens right and i, I would have bet david grant at 200 i didn't watch the lines too yeah. much early but he he's got he's yeah, got power you know he's got power yeah. and he's a uh, he he's another one of those English boxers, those strikers. You know, if if you yeah. get in space and range and let him tee up on you, you'll be in trouble. He he's fallen in love with right hook to the body, left hook to the head. His last two wins against Martin Day and Jonathan Martinez, decent wins, are both with that exact combo. It's really interesting. Uh, you should check out some. Anyone should check out those highlights. It's it's a clean one, but can be predictable. But all right, on to the big fight. So that's like. That fight and this fight are the ones that I'm like, okay, these are good fights. The rest have potential to be sleepers. I mean, Diego Lima could just sit and do nothing, and Matt Brown could outpoint him. Some of these fights, which look like potential bangers, could turn out duds because of their matchups. But Danny Gay versus Chen Sung Jung, matchup proof. Marlon oh, Vera yeah. Versus Korean Grant, zombie. Ma- almost matchup yeah. proof. Yeah. So. Let's dive right in because this is a fun fight between <sighs> these are the two of the toughest humans in the sport. Um especially the Korean zombie. He's one of the most freakishly tough humans to ever exist, let alone fight. Um and he's a fighter who has never and will never have a boring fight. Two of the best fights ever in martial mixed martial arts history um are in his fight versus Yair, my personal favorite of all time, and his first fight with Leonard Garcia in the WEC. Uh, the second fight in the UFC was when he got that famous twister submission, the first ever. Um, but 
it's worrying that he looked flat in that last fight versus Ortega, where Ortega beat the crap out of him for five rounds. Um, and even more worrying, he fell into a deep depression, he said, after that fight, which it's rough to hear, especially because he's, he's, he's a, you know, a great guy, fan favorite. Um, he, put, and he put on quite a bit of weight. So uh, if I was to bet him, I would definitely want to see, hear him in interviews and see how he looked at weigh-ins before I did put money on him. Um, so because his mentality has never been concerned. He's widely known as one of the most mentally tough fighters as well as being one of the most physically tough fighters ever. But it's a concern in this one for the first time ever, maybe. He's a more varied striker than Ige in terms of strike selection and combinations. But his striking defense is poor, honestly. It's only 56%, but that, that's his thing. Walking forward, getting hit, he's, he's a zombie. Um, but he is deceptively good at slipping punches. Uh, but yeah, he'll t- he's he's the definition of take one to land one. Yeah, yeah. But he's not constantly coming forward just to hit people. He's this is weird when I realized it, but he's a pressure counter striker. Even that sounds like an oxymoron, right? How can you be a pressure fighter and a counter fighter? He pressures his opponents, gets right in their face until they throw. Then he looks to slip the strikes or just come right through them and counter with bigger strikes. Hanato Moicano is a perfect example of that. He Moicano came at him when uh, uh, when TKZ went at him. He slipped to the left, bam, put him down. Um, and you'll see uh, attempt uh, blubber mouth. You'll you'll see strikes like that all over his uh, tape. He 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 loves to come forward. They slip him and throw a punch, um, and he fights in bursts, uh, which also Ige does. They'll they there's oftentimes his best fights aren't you know constant constant banger it's but it's like 10 seconds 15 seconds doing nothing then a burst so you'll see that repeated over and over again on this in this fight with each guy rushing in uh in bursts i believe um his grappling his grappling is very good he's a legitimate submission threat like i said the twister first in ufc history was his yeah. <laughs> um Ige is a decent wrestler but i think it would be a mistake for dan Ige to take him down he, he's uh, the korean zombie is a submission threat from a variety of positions dan Ige, uh well i yeah, Danny Ige is an orthodox fighter. He can switch stance to give uh, different looks, but he's definitely more comfortable orthodox. He has unreal toughness as well to take the beatings he did from Calvin Cater and Edson Barbosa, two of the biggest hitters at 145, and keep fighting, and even win the fight in the case of Edson, though it's a controversial one. I scored it personally for Edson. Um, he's a solid pressure fighter, willing to eat blows to dish him out just like TKZ, but he doesn't fully pressure to where his opponents have no room. He's like uh, Shane Burgos in that aspect, in that he presses forward to start a war or to attack in bursts, but not to smother his opponent with pressure so they have no room to kick or think, which that's the game plan that's been proven to work on Edson, and he wasn't able to implement it, even though it's tried and true and tested, and he is technically a pressure fighter, but he's not as much of a pressure fighter as he seems. Just because he comes forward a lot doesn't mean he's a true pressure fighter. Doesn't mean he's actually pressuring his opponents. It just means he's coming forward a lot. Um, and it, yeah, like I said, his pressure also comes in bursts. And while it is effective at times, other times he can be caught hard coming in. I mean, he was hit a lot by Calvin Cater, especially with that jab, which Calvin Cater's jab is one of the best out there. Um, and it was hard for him to get past that one tool of Calvin Cater, though it is an exceptional tool, I have to say. Um, but the, 
when he can time his opponent's jab with left hook, he has a great counter right hand over the top. Uh, he works the body well with kicks and right hands. He uses the shifting overhand at times to close distance and land big, like not unlike Dustin Poirier. He uses his own jab as a range finder more than anything, though sometimes he can pepper his opponent with it. He's responsible defensively at keeping his rear hand up. Um, but when he charges in, all bets are off, you know? Uh, he had a lot of problems with that jab of cater, like I said. I mean, even with his high guard, defensively responsible, up at his head, he ate a lot, a lot of jabs right through his high guard. I mean, just having your hands up doesn't mean you're doing good defense. It just right. means you're showing defense and trying to be responsible. And also, with that high guard, he ate a lot of body shots, a lot of body shots, versus Edson and Cater. Um, but he's tough enough to take those body shots, and... The Korean Zombie doesn't have a jab anything like Calvin Cater, though he has a decent one. Uh, Iga has good footwork. I mean, he's good footwork defensively, I'll say, because he uses lateral movement well to circle, to reset, circle out, um, you know, change angles. But when he comes forward, he comes forward in straight lines, which makes him way too predictable on offense. Um, he uses calf kicks a decent amount. That was probably his best weapon versus Calvin Cater, who has a... Uh, a long stance a bit uh, which so does the Korean zombie he needs to use that more in this fight for sure but to, for his combos he doesn't start with jabs he starts with that too that straight right uses the 2-3 or the 2-3-2 two, two. Um, and, and they are effective but at, he needs more variety that's why I said to start that the Korean zombie is a more varied striker because he throws everything Dan Ige likes to throw 2-3 two, 2-3-2 three, two, three, two, the occasional overhand right um but he has legit power in those punches. He's he's a very powerful fighter, as we saw last time in his Gavin Tucker performance. But he can get too wild with them. Uh, and he doesn't have a five-round gas tank. Or he didn't show it in his lone five-round fight versus Cater. After the third round, or maybe halfway through the fourth round, he started to get really sloppy. His striking output dropped a lot. He, he stopped throwing combos just looking for one big shot to put Cater away, knowing he had become down on the scorecards. Um, and he occasionally shoots for takedowns if he's hurt, but he's not very successful with it. He has okay BJJ, but the Korean Zombie is better. Um, I want to analyze this line real quick. Oh, it, it's because, very funny because it's basically evens all the way across. Yes, exactly. Um, so in in the the Korean Zombie's 34, first of all. Danny is what, 28, 29? Um in the past, Korean Zombie would definitely have been a big favorite. You know, he was a title challenger at one point. But, I mean, he took time off for his military service, wasted a bit of his prime, mandatory military service for South Korea, um, wasted a bit of his prime, came back, had some great fights, but now he's 34. Um, his last fight, he did not look good. So that has dropped this line, I, I believe. And Dan Ige... Even though he lost to Calvin Cater, which Calvin Cater beat him up for four out of five rounds, uh, his last fight was Gavin Tucker, who he knocked out in 22 seconds, which that's like, that's great. He knocked out in 22 seconds. That definitely changes the line in your favor or in the favor of people. It makes you less of an underdog. Right. People betting for you doesn't help them for sure. Um, it, it, if you buy on Danique now, it's, you're buying high and you want to buy low. If you uh, sell on the Korean Zombie now, you're selling uh, low and you want to sell high. So it's not a great position uh, for betting on either side. But I do have a bet on this one. Um, I'm betting round four to start at minus 150 
for three quarters of a unit, 0.75 units. So it goes, it goes um, four rounds, and then we win. If if yeah, if round four starts, it's different than an over under three point five, four point five. It's basically over uh, three because if round four starts, right. we win. I um, like that bet. Basing this I like bet, that bet, yeah, because these I've emphasized it a lot, but it's true. These men are incredibly tough, and that's the main thing I'm basing this off of. The Korean Zombie has only been finished uh, when he was 23 years old in the WEC uh, by Al- Jose Aldo in his heyday, which that was in the fourth round, and by the magical Hellbow of Yair Rodriguez, which that was in the fifth round. So those would have not lost us the bet if we had them in those fights. Dan Ige has never been finished, even by guys like Cater and Barboza. I would put more on this bet, but I have concerns about Zombie's age, damage taken in his career, and mentality after that or take a fight. But based on all available evidence, this one, I think, goes the distance. The reason I took a little bit of juice in playing round four to start instead of the over 4.5 or round five to start or a fight goes the distance bet was because of Ige's cardio. I do worry about he doesn't have five round experience like Zombie. I do worry about him losing steam, being more telegraphed, being uh, more one hit back up and being finishable later in the fight as he slows down. So that's why I went with round four to start. Um, Though if you don't have that, if you only have round five to start or over 4.5 rounds, uh, which those are better odds, you know, minus 120, minus 125. I think those are fine bets too. Um, But my official bet is round four to start, minus 150, three quarters of a unit. And that's what I have for this. I like that one. I don't have much to add except... um... Korean Zombie, he's he's tough as fuck. You know what I mean? I don't think he's going to get punked out. And I don't... Uh, well, the line the line intrigues me. I, I was just looking at how they moved. I mean, if you look across the board, it's basically... They're both negative 110, negative 115, negative yeah, 115. Yeah, it has not right. changed much. It, it's... Uh, if I could, if I could get Chan Sung Young at like a plus one ten, I'd take him. I would. Me, you know, you know what I mean. Me. Yeah. That's not our official yeah. bet, but that's what I would do. And I just thought of something. I mean, I'm not gonna specifically look for it, but look for it like as an official bet. But if you see the fight close, but maybe Danny Gay. Has a little bit is a little bit ahead going into the fourth round, but Chun Sung Jung looks like his usual self. Doesn't look flat like he did versus Ortega. If you think Ige's up two to one, maybe, or just Chun Sung Jung is an underdog going into that fourth round, I would look to bet on him because he has five round cardio. Yeah. His cardio four days, which Ige, like I said, doesn't. He's this will only be his second five yeah. round fight. I believe he's worked on his cardio. Anyone should going into five round fights, but. He didn't show it last time, and, but uh, it's definitely. But not yeah, you're right. The zombie is. can still throw like a madman in the fifth round. He's yeah, for sure. All, All right, right, where are we going um, now? That's then. That's the main All event. Right. Oh, I didn't know if you had anything else. That was the main event. I had a couple other fights I would have flagged. Um, I'm interested in, in the in the Wellington uh, Terman fight. Um, I'm interested in the Arosa fight. I'm interested in uh, the Sung Wo Chu uh, Cho fight. 
Just because... Yeah, he's fighting a Yeah, just because uh, I like to keep an eye on the Chinese fighters. You know what I mean? Because there's some great shit coming out of China, so... Uh, I don't have a play or anything to see it, but just fights I thought you might flag too because that's that's very interesting. I'm I mean I'm interested in some of these fights, but I, I don't have much to say. Like I'm interested in the Chaos Williams versus Matt Simmons oh, yeah. fight, but I don't have <laughs> yeah. anything anything yeah. new or special to right. say. About I want to see that Chaos fight too. All right, well let's get yeah. to it. Um, we already said it, but let's make it official. Walking the dog. Who's your dog? My dog is Alexia Lenick, the boa constrictor, plus 200. And he, if the Matt Brown fight wasn't on the card, that would have been my dog as well. But I think Matt Brown pulls this one out. That's my dog of this fight. All uh, right, on to the don't be yeah. a pussy parlay. Hey, hey, before we go, I sent you the message, dude. We're going to get some music for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very yeah, excited yeah, about it. Right. Yeah. So look look forward yeah. to that. Um but mine so mine is gonna be the over th- what? Over two and a half, which I believe is minus two twenty for Chung Sung Jung versus Danny Gay. Gonna be um Marlon Vera, Virna Jandaroba, Josh Parisian, and Lara Procopio. That's my don't be a pussy parlay. All right, and my don't be a pussy parlay is also Parisian. Um, it's gonna be. I had it all set out, and now I'm trying to blank. It's gonna be Parisian, uh, Korean zombie. Um, Farah. Jandaroba and Matt Brown. All right. Yeah, that's. Yep. <laughs> we'll see how we do, dude. It's it's our yep. shortest show in forever. There wasn't a ton of bets to lay here, yep. but wow, we're we're coming in at under an hour. <laughs>